0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it is great to be here with you. And like Connor, when I got up this morning, looked out the window, I too, was surprised by snow because my weather app just had cloudy skies all night with a zero percent chance of snow. Didn't even mention it, so I was uh, not pleasantly surprised or unpleasant. I was just surprised. I was just surprised. Okay, I was almost going to quote a movie, but I did not. (laughs) Kelly knows which one. All right. Very good. We're quoting it in our heads right now. It's funny. Okay, back to the sermon. It's going to be a good one. All right. One of the things that I appreciate most about reading books of theology or Christian living is that at the end of each chapter, there's typically a summary. So if one was so inclined, you could simply skip all the content throughout the chapter and just land at the summary, and you get a pretty good gist of what the author's trying to say. Now, of course, I've never done this before. I I might have done it a few times, but when I was in seminary, our professors would tell us each semester, look, there is way too much reading to do this semester So don't try to read everything. You're going to have to learn how to skim and figure out what the important parts are of each part of the topic. Um, Because, you know, if you're assigned uh, 1,000 pages of reading per class and you've got four classes a semester, you can do the math because that was pretty easy. Now, if it was 1,238 times four and a half, now what would it be? Okay, just kidding. All right. But it was too much reading. But you know what? I couldn't do it. I had to read everything because I thought everything was important and I didn't want to miss anything. And then when I started doing research for my doctorate, I was like, okay, now it's way too much information. I need to learn how to skim and just understand what the summaries are and understand and how to read an abstract properly. But it was too much. The Apostle Paul provides us a bit of a summary, something that he is recapping at the end of his letter to the Thessalonians, okay? We're going to conclude our sermon series on 1 Thessalonians today, and Paul is here providing this summary, or some things that he wants us to pay particular attention to. Two. So let's read that together. It's in First Thessalonians chapter five, verses twelve through twenty-eight. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the name uh, in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. And disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. And hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you as faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. And I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So as I end the sermon series on 1 Thessalonians, let me offer you a summary of what we have just Gone through. I'm going to break it into six points, and one of the points is going to have seven points, so you're going to have to pay attention. I'm going to go through it not so fast. You thought I was going to say quickly, but that's okay. Number one, we have to acknowledge the hard work among those and, and care for and admonish others in the name of the Lord. This word admonish is not a word that I hear thrown out in the English language on a regular basis maybe a better word for this is rebuke because we use rebuke a lot more than admonish right how about correct or to reprove or to get back on track how about that We are to hold these people in high regard, those who are working hard, and we need to admonish them. We need to make sure that we are correcting and that we are getting them on the right track. I remember being admonished many times in life. I got admonished quite nicely when I was a brand new second lieutenant and showed up to my unit about... Uh, anyway... So I was there. There I was, okay? Uh, There I was. It was at Fort Lewis, Washington. I had been there for five or six months, and our unit was notified that we were going to be going to Kuwait because the war in Iraq had not kicked off yet. We were going to be the first ones to go over there. Well, my executive officer from my company comes in, says, Lieutenant Bauer, we need to talk. Closes the door. I mean, it's a one-way conversation, so I'm not going to say, oh, no, no, we're good. Now's not a good time. And he began to admonish me left and right. All the things that I had been messing up, how other people perceived me in the platoon, and he was just admonishing and using some language not found in the New Living Translation of the Bible either. (laughs) I didn't appreciate it, but I needed to hear it because he was being honest with me and my view of reality was totally off. I have Christian friends and those who hold me accountable and admonish me when I am not living a life which is holy and pleasing to God or not aligning my life with his goodness. And they admonish me as well. And they use words that are found in the New Living Translation as well as the New International Version of the Bible. Do I always want to hear when people admonish me? I do not. Do you like being admonished and having to listen to people? Either admonish you. We typically do not, but we need it. We need it. You see, when we have to have a conversation with someone, sometimes we refer to it as a come-to-Jesus moment. Or when my reality or our reality is totally off, we have to get a reality a reality check. The Apostle Paul says, look, there are hard workers among you, and you must admonish them. Look, you are not doing any favors by not pointing out what needs to be corrected. And no one is doing you any favors by not telling you where you need to fix your life either. No one's doing you any favors. And if we're not willing to confront in love and admonish us or others towards the way of Jesus we're not really doing anybody any favors. In fact, when we are admonished, sometimes we can feel like that's just a little bit of discipline. We're being disciplined, and we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 through 15, that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the, that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and to cause trouble and defile many. Do we like discipline? Most of the time, we do not. Do we need to be disciplined? Yes, we do. Okay. Number two, encouragement. We heard about admonishment. Now we need to focus on encouragement. Paul goes from admonishing to encouraging and to be patient with those, with everyone. We have to encourage the disheartened. We need to help the weak. But we need to make sure that we are admonishing those who are idle as well. Now, I've mentioned this to about four people in the past couple of weeks now that sometimes when we're feeling stuck or when, when uh, people have talked to me and they're feeling stuck or feeling discouraged, I say, look, sometimes you just need to give yourself an easy win. Do something that you know you can commit to, that you can follow through with. Just do one thing and follow through with it. And once you see that you can and you do follow through with it, it will give you some encouragement to continue on and help get you out of the funk. Well, we can easily stay on the point of admonishing people. I don't know why I keep flinging my arm around. Knife hand. But we have to remain patient. And we do it with patience when we admonish. We do it with patience when we do encouraging. And it's important to recognize that we don't admonish out of impatience, because that's where the arm starts flinging around, because we are impatient. For me, I've been feeling idle. I've been feeling discouraged over the past month and a half. I have not wanted to eat that great. I might have had two Krispy Kreme donuts today already. I haven't wanted to really exercise a whole lot. And here I am, I'm writing this part of the sermon during, on Monday, and I have my workout clothes on my chair in front of me in the office. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the clock. I'm doing my sermon. And I'm like, man, I do not want to go and work out. I know it's about to happen. I do not want to go at all. And then as I'm writing, when you're in the funk, when you need to give yourself away, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I need to go. So I finally went, and it was horrible. But it was good at the same time. It was good at the same time. And I'm glad I got out of that funk And I was encouraged as well as admonished anytime I don't go um, that I get to hear some encouragement as well as some admonishing, and I'm thankful for that too. Again, no one's doing me any favors by not bringing that up. Number three, vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is not yours. We do not pay back wrongdoing with wrongdoing. We strive to do what is right and good for each other. Two wrongs do not make a right but two wrongs. What was it? Someone's like making a wrong is making a right turn or right angle. I don't know. It was a geometry joke. I don't remember what it was, but we, <laughs> we continue doing what is right. Okay, here's the thing. Christians are called to be people of justice, but justice has a shadow, and it's called vengeance. When we take justice into our own hands, it can become vengeful. And so we're reminded not to be vengeful, but to seek justice. So Paul says this at least twice in his letter up into this point, which is to encourage people to live at peace with one another, to do what is right and not pay back wrong for wrong. So remember, continue to do what is right, don't pay back evil for evil. Number four, you're like, wow, number four. And he said, they only have six. We're almost done. We are not almost done. Number four, in verse 16 through 18, Paul says, pray, uh, rejoice always, pray continuously, giving thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When things are going great, when we see God performing miracles, when we're having a great worship experience and we pass that test, that we thought was going to be really hard and was hard, but we ended up passing it when we got that tax return back that we were hoping for. When things are going great and we can praise God, it is easier than when our circumstances are not going fantastically. It is difficult sometimes to praise God in all of our circumstances. And yet... This is what Paul's message is, is to continue to praise God in all circumstances, to glorify God in all circumstances, to pray continuously, this is God's will for us. And when we are overwhelmed with grief, when we are overwhelmed with difficulties in our situation, when we are overwhelmed with pain that we are experiencing either currently or from the past, when we are struggling with that, it is hard to praise God and yet. When we give thanks and we are continually mindful of the the, the one who is in heaven, it helps our focus to remain on the one who will see us through. God is still the same God before your circumstances. He's still going to be the same God after your difficult circumstances. And the one who is there as an encouragement to us The one that we keep our eyes focused on will help see us through because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was not saying this from a trivial point of view. If you want to hear the struggles and the rough times that the Apostle Paul went through, you can go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But it's important here to pray continuously, to rejoice, and giving thanks because this is something we were created for our eyes remain fixed on the one who gives us the power the one who has an eternal destiny for us to spend with him in heaven for those who are in christ casting crowns had come up with a uh, a song uh, titled praise you in the storm and as i say the chorus you're going to want to sing along in your heads and if that's you that's fine Or if you want to sing it out loud, you can too. I will praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. Okay. And every tear I've cried, you hold me in your hand. You never left my side, and through my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. It was so hard not to break into song the whole time for this, but I am not a fantastic singer. But who of you were singing in your head as I was reading the chorus? Come on, raise your hand. There was more in the first service. I'm just letting you know. So I'm proud of you for being disciplined in your hearts. Okay. I don't even know where I am anymore. All right. Knowing the source of life, knowing the source of grace, knowing the source of peace who is Jesus Christ, That will help us go through and continue to rejoice and praise God, though our difficult times, uh, we're experiencing difficult times in our life. Praying, and we have to practice praying. And we're talking about practice again. We need to practice praying again and again. Number five don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Now, this is the point five out of six points. This point is going to have seven points. Okay, just stay with us. It's going to be okay. Pastor uh, Sam Storms from Oklahoma City, I was reading his blog, I just came across it, and he said, there's seven ways in which we can quench the Holy Spirit. Number one, we quench the Holy Spirit when we rely decisively on any source other than the Holy Spirit for anything we do in life, in ministry. Guilty. Number two, we quench the Spirit whenever we diminish his personality. And speak of him as if he were only an abstract power of source of divine energy. Number three, we quench the Holy Spirit whenever we suppress or legislate against his work of imparting spiritual gifts and ministering to the church through them. Number four, we quench the Holy Spirit whenever we create an inviolable and sanctimonious structure in our corporate gatherings gatherings and worship services or in our small groups that does not permit spontaneous or special leading of the spirit number 5 we quench the holy spirit whenever we despise prophetic utterances and this is a uh, point uh, what point is that? There's so many points. This is seven points on point five. Anyway, we're on point five. This is point five of this as well. But specifically, this is hilarious, by the way. I'm trying to follow my own stuff at this point. At 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul is specifically speaking to these prophetic utterances. He says, no matter, um, and this is uh, Pastor uh, Steve, uh, or Sam Storms. I don't know why I want to keep calling him Steve. Man, this is rough. <laughs> anyway, he says, look, Paul isn't addressing the times where these prophetic utterances have been abused. And we're not talking about the abuse of prophetic utterances. He's simply saying that we need to obey and listen to prophetic utterances, but not at the cost of discerning what is good and what is right and what is rejecting evil, that we are to test everything that we hear. But to reject a prophetic utterances would be sinful. But we're to test everything. We're to hold on to what is true and reject all kinds of evil. Okay, Number six. We quench the Holy Spirit whenever we diminish His activity, that alerts and uh, awakens us to the glorious and majestic truth that we are truly the children of God. When we reject and feel that we are not a part of God's family, so Romans eight fifteen through sixteen as well as Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And lastly, point 7, we quench the Holy Spirit whenever we suppress or legislate against or instill fear in the hearts of people regarding the legitimate experience of heartfelt emotions and affections in worship. That would be to look at someone and look down upon them or say they're just being emotional in the worship service. They're not being led by the Holy Spirit and they're not responding to the joy and the love that the Holy Spirit is giving to them and their outpouring of that. They should not be looked down on for that because that would be a way of quenching the Holy Spirit. As an evangelical covenant church, one of our affirmations is that we affirm, oh, I just totally lost I just taught it in my class. We affirm the conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us discernment, that provides direction and guidance in all circumstances, that empowers us to be God's hands and feet. And we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to accomplish anything because without God, we can accomplish nothing. And number... Six, and this is the last point, and this is my favorite one, which is greet each other with a holy kiss. You have been hearing me say this, people, all the time for my benediction to greet each other with a holy kiss, and it is biblical. It is biblical. Maybe I've referred to it as the holy handshake, the holy hand hug, or fist bump, or the holy head nod, or this, or Whatever. When I lived in Saudi Arabia, I lived there for just over a year. When I lived in Saudi Arabia, I had to kiss a many of men. And a many of men kissed me. And before your mind starts to wander, no kissing on the lips. This is cultural, people. And if you developed a relationship and it's just a normal greeting to one another, you would kiss. Cheek, kiss on the other cheek. And that was all good. But here's the thing. If you were really good friends, you would kiss on one cheek, kiss on the other cheek, and then double kiss the other side. Ah, that was good. But if you were really close, and this only happened a couple of times with me, you would kiss mm, one cheek, kiss the other cheek, double kiss, go back to the other cheek, kiss, and then nose touch together. That one was a little uncomfortable every time. But it was cultural. That was the natural, normal greeting on how we expressed a greeting to one another. It was cultural. So hey, when in Rome, when in Thessalonica, it's cultural. Greeting each other in a holy kiss was a cultural sentiment, and I love taking it out of context all the time for my benedictions. But just think, it's the equivalent of a warm embrace. It's it's a greeting, a holy handshake, holy fist bump. It is a cultural greeting. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, among the Christians, greet each other with a holy kiss. So... In summary, of the summary, we'll go back. Point number one was to acknowledge those who work hard among you and who admonish, uh, and when you ad, uh, admonish them, but I would also say when you are being admonished, be uh, grateful in the name of the Lord. Okay, number two, you got to encourage one another. Number three, number three, what was that? Oh, vengeance is not yours. Two wrongs don't make a right. We don't repay back wrongs with another wrong. Number four, we pray continuously. We give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Number five, we do not quench the Holy Spirit. We do not treat prophetic utterances or uh, with uh, prophecies with contempt, but we test them all, and we hold to what is good. We reject every kind of evil. And number six, my favorite: greet each other with a holy kiss. This relationship, your outpouring, and your greeting with one another should be of closeness. We should have an intimate relationship um, with other Christians. To our natural response is to want to shake their hand, want to give them a hug, and for you introverts and you bubble people. This is going to be a tough one. So just do the, do the whole, and just smile. But be okay with the germs and the rona that's going around. It's going to be okay. God's got this. And greet each other with a holy kiss, too. Okay, next Sunday, we are going to start the sermon series on 2 Thessalonians. So you'll want to show up for that. But before you show up for that, You should also come to the church service this Wednesday at 6.30, which was announced. We are doing an Ash Wednesday service, and it's going to be an intimate service. It's going to be one of worship, of repentance, and to turn our hearts away from ourselves, our desires, and what our flesh wants, and turn it over to God and practice some spiritual disciplines in our lives, which takes us forward to the glorious celebration as a church as we look ...towards the resurrection on Easter. So hopefully you can come to that. If you've never been to an Ash Wednesday service, I'd strongly encourage all of you to come to that as well. Uh, Let's pray. God, we do appreciate you and we're thankful that you do demonstrate to us your heart, uh, what you desire for us. And God, we recognize that we fall short day in and day out of not living up to your standard. God, that we rely too much on ourselves rather than you where we take matters into our own hands without even considering you in the first place. So as we continue to move from this place, let us be your hands and your feet. Let us be good witnesses of your goodness. Let us be open to being admonished and admonishing others. Let us encourage one another. Let us pray continuously. Let us not quench your spirit. And God, let us continue to greet each other with holiness as well. God, we love you. We praise you and we glorify you. Amen.